0: may be seated. Amen. Well, well, well. Well, well, well. Good morning again. It is wonderful to see you. Thank you, music team, uh, for leading us into praise and worship this morning with music. Uh, That is just uh, fantastic. Um, Pastor Garth, Pastor Jason, I love you guys. Um, it's uh, been just an awesome privilege to be uh, ministering together with you as uh, here at SEMC. Uh, congregation, I love you. And it's so wonderful to see you. And your presence is profound. And we thank you. Praise the Lord. I want to see uh, if you can identify uh, these animals. We're going to put a picture of an animal up, see if you can identify it. If you can identify it, just call out the name of the animal if you can recognize it. Here's the first one. Well, well Okay. You're, whoa. Someone's a caribou. Uh, close. Okay, it's a deer. here's the next one. Polar bear. bear. Hey, that's right. By the way, I took that picture. That's a a mother polar bear with a couple of cubs, and I was hanging out uh, the side of a a vehicle, and then the mother polar bear, uh, I guess, noticed I was there and started walking towards the vehicle, at which point they pulled me back in because I was looking for more pictures. Here's the next picture. See if you can identify this one. Hedgehog, very good. That one's tricky. Some of you said watermelon. <laughs> and then we have this last one uh, Nemo. Nemo. Well, okay. Yeah, it's a fish, but it's Nemo. Yeah. Oh, what was that? Clownfish. Clownfish. See, that's specificity there. That's great. So we can identify these different animals uh, by their appearance. Um, they certainly conduct themselves different ways. They live a different way. So what we're discovering here very quickly is that ID is more than your email address and your password. There's more to identification. Obviously, there's your name, uh, what you look like, um, how you conduct yourself, the way you live, uh, where you belong. So uh, we, d- you know, organize animals and things. So where you belong. There's also the uh, deoxyribonucleic acid. Just the d- thank you. That's your DNA. Your very makeup. Church. We have an ID as well. We have an identification. But what is our ID? Is it our name on the sign? Is it our denomination? Is it the people in our congregation that make up our ID? Now, ID is a, a big deal, actually. Uh, we, we spend, it has been for years, uh, and uh, in the Old Testament, people were given a name as uh, a very meaningful aspect. Nowadays, uh, when it comes to ID, we spend time trying to protect our our identification we some people are looking to find their identification just this week in the carillon on page two two articles about identification id Uh, jesse j a popular uh, singer and songwriter wrote a song in 2011 uh, called who you are or be who you are in the chorus she says it's okay not to be okay. Sometimes it's hard to follow your heart. Tears don't mean you're losing. Everybody's bruising. It's okay not to be okay. Be true to who you are. And There's so much in there that I like. I think it's really helpful. And, and, and it's good for us to, to you know, express our grief and our sorrow. And, and to, to let that out. Um, but there's also, if you notice, something about that song that uh, is also individualistic. I mean, and, and besides, it kind of assumes a question, who you are, be who you are. Well, who are you? Who are we? Who is the church? What is the church identification? And in this song and in a lot of current sort of uh, language and culture today, um, There's this sort of subtle and insipid individualism that places the individual at the center. It's actually a belief. People aren't walking around with a lack of beliefs, they are believing in many things. And this belief, uh, individualism or this humanism, the belief is that humans are the center. And it turns religion into basically a set of morals. It's a moralism. Or that God is really a therapeutic God. He's there to basically help me and is there for my therapy. And this is actually... uh, A Tactic of the devil to have people think about individualism and and some people might even misread the book of Genesis at the beginning the creation account and think of Adam and Eve and think somehow that it's it's individualistic in a sense when really it says that when Adam and Eve were created when the community was created that it was good and church we can get sort of centered on ourselves as well, a sense of church individualism, when things get difficult or we, we put things at the center. Maybe we emphasize, you know, management, good management and processes, and that's the center. Or maybe we sort of defer and outsource everything either to a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader, or to the pastoral team. Or maybe we have the congregation as the center, this COVID pandemic has disrupted relationships and has unraveled community. And you feel it, even if you can't quite put your finger on it. But at the same time, I want to encourage you to press the save button. Because you are sensing this false narrative that individualism is good or that being on our own is good and it's not true and that's the dissonance that you're feeling this sense of being apart and it's not good. So let this dissonance register with you. We are in our sermon series being human and being church and investigating what it means. And we're in the book of Ephesians. Now, in Ephesus, at the time when Paul is writing this, the city of Ephesus was at a very different time than we are right now. They were one of the four major metropolitan centers of the region, kind of like New York or Hong Kong. They were a bustling, thriving uh, uh, metropolis with excellent commerce. They had a huge theater, That seated about twenty five thousand. MTS is about five. Air Canada Centre just under twenty. And there were many gods in Ephesus. Thanks to the Greeks and the Romans, there were lots of different gods. And the sort of the most prominent or famous one was the goddess Diana. And the city's The cityscape, the skyline of the city of Ephesus, was marked by the temple Artemis. In fact, it was considered one of the seven wonders of the world dedicated to this goddess. And so the people that were religious and others, they would make idols. There was a whole industry of making little idols, and people were trying to appease and serve these these gods or goddesses. And it was in this context where this burgeoning church of Ephesus started to grow up. And there there was a sense of confusion and conflict all on its own at that time as well. They're They're a start-up church in the midst of all of that. Being drowned out by the din of a city that is competing for attention and pandering to individualism and all these idols and objects. And so what happens? What what what, what becomes how uh, is the church in Ephesus doing? We go on chapter 1 of Ephesus or Ephesians rather, Ephesians chapter 1 starting at verse 15. Paul continues in his writing his letter to them From his prison in Rome, he writes, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. So the reputation of the church in Ephesus has, the reputation, their reputation has reached all the way to Rome, where Paul is, and particularly their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, their faithfulness to Him, and their love for each other. Listen, church, loyalty and love are so inspiring. It's so encouraging. Paul says that their faith and their love for each other sustains Him. There is a battle of two gods that we are in, that they were in. It isn't two Christian gods, and it isn't a battle of one God with two faces. It is a cosmic battle, a battle between good and evil, a battle between God and the devil, and whether it's uh, the the. Goddess or a temptress or whatever it is. And so it is really necessary, as Paul is doing here, it's really necessary for us to recall to mind what is good. To bring to mind what is good so that we bring back into balance what is otherwise a disproportionate influence of what is bad. He continues in verse 17. Of his great power and there's so many metaphors here you could do a life group study just on identifying all the metaphors in this section but notice also the Trinitarian references here the expression of our Trinitarian God God the Father is expressed here in Jesus Christ again our Lord the Son but notice also the prominence of prayer This is a theme here that Paul, the Apostle Paul, has an an active, vibrant prayer life. He prays thanksgiving. And then he prays for the congregation. And one of the reasons he prays is because he is fully convinced that when we speak out loud or in our minds in what we call praying to God, he is fully convinced that God hears, he listens, he hears, that God cares and that God will be with and act somehow in the world. And when he prays, he is now, this is called interceding, it's praying to God Four others are on someone else's behalf. And notice the pattern of the prayer. He isn't praying, God, I pray you will do this. Or God, I pray you will do that. Paul knows God's will. Rather, he is praying that the congregation, that they will come to know. And that they will come to know something fully. And what he's praying they will come to know can be described in the acronym HIP, H-I-P. He wants them to get HIP. Church, Paul says, church, I pray you will come to know and experience some of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. You know, the hope that you have in the Lord, the hope that some life will be restored, the hope that there is a a, a presence, a time that we will spend with the Lord, a hope that your friend or family member will say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, I hope that, I, I pray that some of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, that you will be able to taste and experience that now. I pray for that, Paul says. Church, I pray that you will come to know and grasp the inheritance that you have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, inheritance is both ways. First of all, as a congregation, I hope and pray that you will understand the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. That we have what belongs, that the wealth that Jesus Christ has that He bestows on the church. is more than the materialism that we are striving after in our daily lives. But it is also church, you are the Lord's inheritance. He made a promise to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make a family through you. And in some sense, Abraham, that is your inheritance. But in another sense, that is my inheritance. And people of Israel, I'm going to give you a land, a real place to live. And that was a real tangible inheritance. And church, you will have a place as well, a real, very physical place. You will inherit that. And so the inheritance, church, I pray that you will grasp the extent of the inheritance that the Lord Jesus Christ has. And that you are his inheritance. And then, church, finally, I pray, as Paul says, I pray that you ask and you will know the power that the Lord Jesus Christ has for us who believe. The power, the hope, the inheritance, the power, the hope, the inheritance, the power. And this is no ordinary power. This isn't power that comes from a a position that you hold in the office. This isn't coercion. You say, well, what kind of power? What is the power that he's speaking about? And for that, we go to Ephesians 1 verse 20. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The power that Paul is praying the church will understand. The power is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the power and the energy of the Holy Spirit. This is the power that he is speaking of. And notice this in 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 Paul's prayer this huge accolade of Christ is this emphasis on his christology this exaltation of Jesus his name is exalted his position is exalted this is the love of God the father the preeminence of Jesus Christ and the very Almighty power of God, the Holy Spirit. And Paul says he is for the church. And you say, well, Gary, what does this have to do with our identity? Because Paul says at the very close of that. After making much of God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says that Jesus is the head of all things. And also the church who is his body. Another metaphor to say that the church is his very physical, real, tangible presence. In fact... God's incarnate Jesus Christ, the incarnation is extended now to the church. The church now, together with Jesus, never separated from, but together with Jesus, now bears the, his image. So then, to ask rightly, who is the church and what is our identity, is to ask then, who is Jesus Christ? It is to understand who He is, which gives us an understanding of who we are. And so, friends, this morning, what we can be sure of, as goes Jesus Christ, so goes the church. And so you can be absolutely confident, you can take heart, that just as nothing can defeat the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing will defeat the church. No pandemic, no momentary separation, isolation, sequestering, or anything other. And you can take heart in that. And we can understand that the church is an extension of Jesus Christ. That the church, we extend the presence And the character of Jesus Christ. We do not control him. We are not equal with him. We depend entirely upon him. We are a witness to him. But we do not spread the church. We spread the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our king. As God the father. Sent Jesus Christ the son. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he is sending his body. The church. As God the Father invites people through Jesus Christ the Son. He now invites people by way and through the church. So it has always been a physical, bodily presence. When Jesus said, I will be with you always, it was part and parcel with the presence, the physical presence of the church of Jesus Christ. It really brings true the phrase being there. Being there. So for us church. It is always a case of we. It is never a case of I or me. When we say being church. When we talk about church. It is we as in we together with the Trinity. The Father, Son and Holy Spirit. But it is also always we as in multiple people. Not individual Jesus's. But we, we, he invites us into Jesus Christ. And when he invites us into Jesus Christ, he invites us into community, into becoming part of the body, part of the church. That's why we continue to have membership and we celebrate that. I want to take just a few moments here for question and response. Before we conclude, here in the sanctuary, you can stand up and Raise your hand and ask your question if you have something to ask. If you are watching by live stream, you can write your comments in YouTube uh, while you're live streaming. Or you can email or text to ask at semconline.com. And we will uh, attempt to respond to your questions. Friends, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. If you have questions... Or even if you disagree. Speak up. Ask. Seek. Knock. If there's something, we'll we'll respond to it. I want to also take this moment. If you are listening to this message this morning and you have not said yes to Jesus I believe that if that is you this morning the Lord has an appointment with you here he is inviting you by the Holy Spirit right now he is saying come He is saying, put down the false positive that individualism or humanism or that you can make this work on your own. He is inviting you to say, put that down and turn towards me, turn towards the community. Accept Jesus as your king. Say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit And begin a journey in a community as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can do that this morning. You can pray that, say yes to that, talk to somebody about that. So, this message this morning, I want to just invite and encourage you to be the body. Be the church. Find ways of coming together. Find ways of being together. We already are in some ways restricted in terms of what we can do. Maybe we need to still do less so we can be more. I can relate to this as a pastor. I've spent many years together with you. And in my head I was busy ministering and doing things for the congregation and for the region. But it was robbing me of an opportunity to be with you. When I desire desperately to be with you. And so maybe we need to put down a little more of what we're doing for And spend a little more time being with, being the body. Our faith, our faithfulness, our love towards one another, our loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow the lead of Jesus and listen. We can listen. We can listen and discern and love well one another be the body and if we can't gather here or in our homes maybe we can gather two or three in a public place and be the body in public places Amen. Let's stay seated for a minute. And if you would uh, open your hands, let's hold our hands in our laps like this with our palms facing.